Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Good evening. You are listening to Radio Islam, and I'm your host, Tariq El Amin. For those of you who are new to Radio Islam, we welcome you. We are a live call in talk show, and we are broadcasting from Chicago on WCEV 1450 AM. And you can hear our live stream at www.wcev1450.com. And remember, you can now find us on the TuneIn app. Simply look up WCV. Uh, if you haven't already done so, keep up with us on social media by following and liking us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Radio Islam USA. That is at Radio Islam USA. If you have a comment or a question you'd like to pose throughout the course of tonight's show, we would love to hear from you at 312-750-1178. That's 312 312- Seven five zero one one seven eight, and last but not least, you can hear us uh, all of our previous episodes wherever you get your podcast. So if that's iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, um, SoundCloud, just look for us at Radio Islam USA and share. If you like what you hear, share. So good evening once again, Radio Islam family. It's a pleasure to be with you. Uh, there is. There's a lot going on, so we're going to take uh, the opportunity tonight to talk about some of those things that we've noticed uh, in the news, uh, some of the things that, that we're talking about uh, over the water cooler, uh, over lunch, and just throw our two cents in. Uh, one of the things that we heard about earlier today, uh, you may have as well, is that the uh, CEO of the New York Times, he is... Uh, forecasting that they may be closing down print operations within the next 10 years. So they're going to reassess where they are uh, and make a decision. They said it's going to be purely economics. But for me, um, uh, and uh, Ibrahim and I, we were talking about, th- talking about this earlier, that we both love books. Um, but I guess there is a convenience uh, that is had uh, by a lot of people who want to be able to look at their news on their smartphone. What do you think? Assalamu alaikum. Um, yeah, we were talking about that. I do prefer, well, I wouldn't say I prefer, but I mean, I do prefer books, but there's obviously um, other uses for like reading online and stuff too. Mm-hmm. For something like New York Times, I actually prefer the ability to read it online and using the app. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, you have to subscribe to it, which costs money. But to me, it's worth it because of the quality of the news, especially the international news. That's your paper, news. right? New York Times? Yeah, that's the, that's the one. That I admit I'm a New York Times <laughs> fanboy. Yeah. Uh, okay. Especially for international news. Yeah. It's like, yeah, really on another level. Um, but I like it because just the nature of the news as opposed to books mm-hmm. is something that's constantly happening, you know? Yeah. So uh, something that happens this morning by nighttime, it's already like old news in some cases, you know. Yeah, so print for media that reason, definitely can't keep up. With that. Yeah, it just can't keep up. So I don't mind New York Times um, losing their print uh, copy or whatever. But now here, here's here's a consideration: we could find ourselves being um, hostage or victims of technology, and by that I mean, what happens when, say, you have a Kindle but the power's out, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, it's useless. You got you have nothing. That's B- true. But a book or a newspaper and a candle still works. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's one way to look at it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so you 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 can you can sort of uh, sacrifice maybe the access that we have by staying up because we're in a twenty four hour news cycle culture. I mean, every minute some new you know some new uh, news is coming out, mm-hmm. but that's really dependent upon the connectivity that's provided by, uh, you know, by by power. Yeah, there's also actually a psychological, even a physiological element to it, which I've gotten from more than one of my professors in various subjects. I had a poetry teacher; mm-hmm. she forbade us to read. 
poems on digital devices. Mm. Um, it has to be on paper. I had a journalism teacher also. Yeah. She said, um, and they all said the same thing. I guess research have been done. I haven't looked it up personally, but professors keep telling research has been done that your brain processes information in a different way yep. when you read it on the screen versus on an actual book that you're holding. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's another, I think I observe that in my own life too. When I read a book, it's kind of different than reading something on the screen. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, there, there is a connection. And I'll say this for all of you um, who may uh, be considering or know somebody who has memorized the Quran. Um, I don't know any that have done it digitally. Uh, as a matter of fact, some of the, you know, let's not say it hasn't happened, but I don't, I don't personally know of. And, and one of the things I did, I was looking up. Um, just different recommendations on how how different um, how, how different memorizers go about it, mm-hmm. and one of the things was to find you a most I find you a, a, a copy a physical copy a physical copy, use that copy and use the same yeah. one. Um, nobody said anything about a Kindle yet. Some, somebody might at some point. <laughs> well, granted, it's only been around for like less than a decade. Sure. Uh, the apps have been around for like less than a decade. I think about a decade for the there's like these widgets, these yeah. things that you could add on the screen that was like basically a, a PDF type of version. Yeah. Um, I have used them not to memorize. <laughs> well, there's so there's different stages to memorizing, right? right? When you first memorize the 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 page or the section that you're doing, mm-hmm. not for that, but to like the secondary stages, the re- reviewing the stuff that I recently memorized or whatever, I have used uh, like a widget or an app on right. my phone now. But I, yeah, to your to your point, I wouldn't use it for that first phase. That initial, yeah, because yeah. yeah. I'm actually trying to build uh, an image in my mind mm-hmm. as far as so I can tell you like where the eye is on the page, the left page, right page. Um, where is it on the page? You can't do that really as well with the, the app. Right. And obviously and you can't tell right or left unless you look at the page number, which is like more complicated. Yeah, unless you yeah, unless they got it set up as a PDF. Yeah. Um, you know, with the agro um with the total visualization, you know. So mm-hmm. yeah. All right. Well, uh Radio Song family, what do you prefer? Um, have you transitioned into the uh into the digital age? Um are you a Kindle junkie? or iPad, do you read your, your books and your news that way? And I have to admit, I do get a fair portion. Well, most of my news I get is not, uh, I don't read. It's mostly um, audible. Like, I'm a big TuneIn fan. So when I'm on a train or walking or whatever, I'm usually listening to uh, listening to the news like that. What do you listen to? Uh, I, I listen, my, my favorite is actually MSNBC. Oh. Yeah. I haven't tried it. Yeah. So uh, I listen through, uh, through TuneIn app. And yeah, that's 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 my number one. I was a CNN guy for a while, but eh, just under not. the new management, it's kind of yeah different. Yeah, it just doesn't. You know, I'm, I'm, yeah, I I couldn't put my finger on it. I didn't realize it was new management, but yeah. So I think he used the the person who's uh, I don't know if he's the CEO or I mean he's the person in charge of kind of the program the direction the program is taking i think he used to be at nbc mm-hmm. if i'm not mistaken yeah. um but yeah that's one of the criticisms against cnn nowadays that it's going a very not tabloidish but a very um i don't know kind of an instant gratification type of direction yeah it, it was know, not like social substantive. media or something yeah. yeah it wasn't substantive and i think that's that that you that you pretty much summed up what i was what i was feeling i was like okay what is it it's something is different uh, so I had to leave, and I went to, over to Huffington, Huffington Post. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but MSNB, MSNBC, that's my that's my go-to. Uh, who is who's yours? Do you listen to any? Um, well, for listening, I yeah. pref- my favorite is NPR. You know what? Forgive me. I, <laughs> <laughs> you forgot. <laughs> I, I got two cups right, <laughs> right uh, a foot away from me. Yes, NPR. Uh, it al- almost feel like it, it should go without saying. But um, yeah, that's definitely uh, I think the standard bearer. Um, in terms of, I, yeah. I like their variety. Mm-hmm. I like I how so. they uh, they tell stories. Um, th- I think they've kind of set the mark uh, in, in the way that they present news. 
So yeah, their news updates are really good. Yeah, and then they have the BBC for like uh, certain times of the day, which is also yeah, yeah. good. Yeah. So we're we're sort of having a little bit of a NPR uh, uh, fanboying over here, just to, <laughs> just a little bit. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, so that was, and I saw something else in the news today. And I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't see us talking about this a long time, but I'm just going to bring it up. Uh, there was a story in the Root, which is also I like to go to the Root uh, for, from time to time. Um, and well, what am I? What do I mean from time to time? It's in my inbox every day. I don't get a chance to always look at it, but one I saw, and it was about a woman, uh, happens to be a white woman, who flushed her emotional support hamster down the toilet at the airport. Wow. Yeah. Um, and then I believe she has she has retained an attorney now and is suing the airport for loss, for, for, for damages. Huh. Did the did it live? No, or, no, no. Oh it died. It's dead. Huh. Yeah. But 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 the whole story was told from the from this lens of uh, this this dreaded phrase, and I know a lot of folks. Um, there are a lot of people who don't like to hear it, but you know that, that's life. We hear things we don't want to hear sometimes. But from this lens of, um, of of white privilege, and that was that's how the story was told. He said ten things about this. Uh, first thing being that the fact that you have an emotional support hamster, mm-hmm. uh, you know. And we've seen, you know, a lot of our veterans, they come back and they're dealing with PTSD and they have emotional support uh, dogs. Uh, and I've seen birds and but never, never a rodent. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, hey, to each his own. Yeah. Uh, but the fact that she's flushed him down the toilet so fast. I mean, if it meant that much to you, why don't you just leave and come back? Why did she want to get rid of it? Uh, she got rid of it because they told her she couldn't bring it on the plane. Oh, I see. Yeah, I mean, I mean, who wants that? What if it gets loose? Yeah. So why did she kill it? <laughs> that makes sense. I, I, I don't know. Like she was saving it from, <laughs> I don't know, uh, attackers or I don't know. I don't know. But uh, I, f- I found that interesting. Uh, and you, Radio Slime family, you may have or may have not heard about this, but I figured that you might have found it interesting as well. Um. So just kind of jumping back to the news. All right. So uh, we get the majority of our news. Historically, we've gotten uh, whether we're talking about education, health, science uh, or politics. We've gotten that information from the news. I still have the uh, the Chicago Sun-Times from the day after President Obama won. I still have that. And um, and I'll keep it as long as I can. Um, But. It is declining. It's a declining medium. But speaking of politics, that's my classy segue into the next story. Um, that is this Rob Porter uh, deal. Matter of fact, we've got a. Give me a uh, mic. We have a short clip that we're going to play for you. And. The first wife of fired aide Rob Porter is taking on the president and top women in the White House for downplaying her claims of domestic abuse. Our senior White House correspondent Cecilia Vega tracking all the latest in Cecilia. So many tough questions out there and this White House still doesn't have good answers. Yeah, George, they say that they can't get into specifics in answering these questions, but the reality is they are choosing not to answer these questions. And now Rob Porter's ex-wife has questions for this White House, too. This morning, the woman behind this black eye that has rocked the White House breaking her silence. Colby Holderness, former White House Staff Secretary Rob Porter's first ex-wife, writes in the Washington Post, I'm not a partisan. I'm not an activist. Far from it. Others sought us out in the course of investigating Rob. Holderness is naming names while she says she appreciated this from counselor to the president, Kellyanne Conway. I have no reason not to believe the women. Holderness said she was dismayed when Conway said she does not fear for White House communications director Hope Hicks, who is dating Porter. I'm sorry for any suffering that this woman has endured, but in the case of Hope, I've rarely met somebody so strong with such excellent instincts and loyalty and smarts. When pushed, Conway adding strong women get abused too. Many women get get abused, no question. But Holderness said, 
Her statement implies that those who have been in abusive relationships are not strong. Recognizing and surviving in an abusive relationship takes strength. The White House still refusing to say exactly who knew what and when. And Press Secretary Sarah Sanders saying the words that many have wanted the president himself to say. Why haven't we heard the president say exactly what you just said right there, that he takes domestic violence very seriously? I spoke with the president. Those are actually directly his words that he gave why me. But, but why, hasn't, why hasn't he said that? He had the opportunity. I spoke to him and he relayed that message directly to me and I'm relaying it directly to you. Does he believe Rob Porter's accusers or are they lying? Look, as I just said, the president, along with the entire administration, take uh, domestic violence very seriously and believe all allegations need to be thoroughly uh, investigated. And that doesn't answer the question. As I just said, I'm not going to go beyond that. That's where we are right now. The response from Holderness, while I cannot say I am surprised, I expected a woman to do better. So we are now on day eight of this controversy. It is, has overshadowed the release of the president's $4.4 trillion budget plan. Yesterday, it threatens to overshadow the Senate debate on immigration, which starts today, George. As much all right. So, Radio Slam family, I, I think I've told you all before, I am a, uh, I'm a, I'm a father of three daughters. I'm a husband, brother to four sisters. Uh, so, and I say all of that just to say that I'm aware of my own biases, uh, but that does not preclude me from being able to uh, to respond, uh, you know, without uh, respond rationally uh, to to allegations uh, like this. Right? It just means that I'm sensitized to to them. Uh, so, you know, domestic violence, uh, sexual violence, uh, any type of oppression. Um, not just aimed at women, but you know, in general, these are things that I'm I'm just naturally or have been sensitized to. So when I hear about this particular uh, situation with uh, Rob Porter, uh, what this does for me, and and I'm interested to hear uh, how how you see this, Ibrahim, if I'm if I'm on a different track or not. But what I see is just a passing of the buck. First of all. Uh, and the, and what, what I mean by that is uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, she's just basically, she's passing the book. Uh, she's, she's, well, I shouldn't say passing the book. She is trying, she's just doing her spin thing. That's, that's what she does. She's just doing her spin thing. But, but as an administrative uh, culture or a sign of the culture of Trump's administration, it's one that has already demonstrated that he is not, he has no, a particular sensitivity toward domestic violence. I think his own history bears witness to that. Comments that he has made on the uh, on, on the campaign trail uh, bear witness to that. And now, him sending a message, so-called sending a message through the uh, spokes uh, press secretary, when we know if he has something to say, how's he going to say it? He's going to tweet it. Hmm. He hasn't tweeted anything. That, that backs up what she says. And his own statements have been in support of Rob Porter, saying we're going to see, we'll, we'll, you know, he feels really bad about what's going on. Um, this is a sham. It's a sham. And the only thing I can think of or a question is at what point will his base feel like, okay, maybe maybe we're, we're, we're getting a snow job. Or maybe he doesn't value things that that he should value. Well, I honestly have not been following this story very closely, mm -hmm. so I don't know much more than like the clip that we just heard. Um, Sarah Sanders, um, like you kind of said, her job is really to just kind of uh, what's the word distract off of this subject onto like something else, and you know, just kind of. Uh, What's what's the word? Like what? project onto something, you know? Yeah, deflection. Um, yeah, deflect exactly mm -hmm. to deflect one thing. That's pretty much her job. Yeah. Um, President Trump has definitely made some comments on the campaign trail, and basically, um, the video where he was talking about grabbing women, obviously. Yeah. That was pretty uh, disgusting mm -hmm. and evil. Um, now I would hesitate. From what I know, I would hesitate to interpret. Their silence, or they're trying to spin it, or 
um, deflect it as being complicit or like approving of it in some way. That's mm. a pretty big jump for me to make, you know. Yeah. I wouldn't. Yeah. That I would have to have some pretty damning evidence for for me to say that you know that the president or his administration condones this type of violence against women or something like that. Mm. Um, but yeah, and, and also I would say that the job of all pol- I mean all politicians have to spin stuff they spin stuff and they deflect and distract uh, detract from this scandal or a potential scandal onto something else and so on so that also doesn't really surprise me and I wouldn't single out this administration for that either um but to your point there's some pretty suspicious and dangerous stuff that seems to be going on and I don't think we've heard the last of it to be honest oh I'm I'm sure we haven't uh, and I invite people to not look at what we're seeing right now as an isolated incident. Mm-hmm. Look at look at his history. Um, Trump has been in the public eye for a long time. Going back to the case with the Central Park Five, where he took out a full-page ad, I think either in the Times or the Post or, or something, some major New York, New York publication, calling for the death penalty for these uh, young men who had not been yet, uh, a sentence had not been passed yet. But here we stand today, and he's talking about guilty until proven innocent, Mm. and we're going to, uh, we're going to investigate. And on top of all that, there is a national, there's an awareness that has not really been vocalized um, prior to, with, Prior to the last, what, four or five months? Well, six months we could talk about. Because with the whole uh, Me Too movement, I mean, in light of that, to make the statement that he did, he didn't come to, uh, he didn't come to the, the, the victims, uh, the accusers' um, defense, or even recognize the accuser. He came directly to the one who had been accused. Hmm. Uh, and, and not to say there's anything wrong with, with due process or guilty until approval. Uh, innocent until proven, proven guilty, um, but you still it still shows that there's a lack of connection, at least to the to the pulse of of, of America right now. Um, it's being mismanaged. I would agree with that. Whatever whatever they're doing, they're not doing it right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and I'm sure. Uh, and, and and my last thing I'll say on this is I think that to answer my own question. I don't think there's really anything that he can do, to be quite honest with you, that's going to shake the um, that's going to his shake the faith, yeah, yeah, of his <laughs> diehard supporters. Yeah, that's another good point I wanted to get at. But yeah. Um, yeah, that's related to a lot of stuff. Actually, maybe we can talk about that after the break. Yeah, 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 absolutely. All right, radio, radio Slam family, we're going to take a short break. If you'd like to join in the conversation, give us a call at 312-750-1178. 312-750-1178. We'll take a short break and we'll be right back. When Dad needed help getting around, I became his driver. Soon enough, it was up to me to be his housekeeper and financial manager, too. When he moved in, I became his cook and even his nurse. But no matter what roles I play, I know I'm still his daughter. We understand the roles you play. So to help, we created aarp.org caregiving, where you can connect with experts and other caregivers. Visit aarp.org caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Would your business survive a disaster? Nearly two-thirds of businesses aren't prepared for an emergency, and 40% of businesses that experience a disaster never recover. Make an emergency plan now before it's too late. For a free online tool that helps you develop an emergency plan to keep your business up and running should disaster strike, visit ready.gov forward slash business. Brought to you by the Federal Emergency Management Agency, the American Red Cross, and the Ad Council. Assalamu alaikum. Sound Vision is starting a new initiative to provide crisis intervention to those in need. Through the crisis text line, anyone can text 741-741 and be connected via text to a trained crisis counselor who is there to listen and show empathy. 
The Crisis Text Line is open to everyone. By texting the keyword SALAM, that's S-A-L-A-M, to 741-741, users will be connected to a trained Muslim counselor whenever available. You can also volunteer to undergo training and become a counselor. For more information, visit soundvision.com. So, Jacqueline. Yes, Mom? I wanted to talk to you about something, and... Oh, wait. Hold on. I just got a text. Oh, wait, Mom. I just got a message. So many comments on my comment. Hey, guys, check out my new video game. Mom, what? Huh? What'd you say? This weekend, unplug. Getting closer to nature can get you closer to your family. To find the forest nearest you, go to discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Hey, Mom, why is the sky blue? Why don't animals talk? Why do dogs have wet noses? Why is an 11 pronounced 21? Kids ask a lot of questions. Why do I have a belly button? But you don't have to know every answer. Why is the ocean salty? Because you don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Why are there 50 states? There are thousands of children in foster care who don't need every question answered. Why is pizza round? They just need you. For more information on how you can adopt, go to AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt U.S. Kids, and the Ad Council. Radio Islam, the nation's first daily live call-in talk radio show, produced by Muslims for the mainstream market. Radio Islam, on the air since 2004 because of your generosity. Radio Islam salutes its most valuable asset, you, our listener. From our producers to our interns, we appreciate your support. Thank you. Assalamu alaikum. Welcome back. Welcome back to Radio Islam. This is your host, Tariq Alameen. I'm joined in studio by the impressive one, Ibrahim Baig. And we've been talking about some of the things going on in the news. Did you want to go to Salams real quick since we came back? Assalamu alaikum. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, so, yeah, we're just looking at some of the things that are going on in the news. Uh, if you'd like to give us a call you got a comment that you'd like to make, you can give us a call at 312-750-1178, 312-750-1178, or feel free to uh, to tweet us at Radio Islam USA or post on our Facebook page. Uh, we have those things open. So we're talking about politics, uh, moving from the whole uh, Rob Porter fiasco. Uh, we'll continue to watch and see how that unfolds. Um, but there continues to be distraction after distraction. But one of the things that we're not going to be able to be uh, be able to uh, move ourselves away from, and that is the upcoming elections. And there's a lot that is hanging in the balance. And there, and there are folks who are on different sides. Uh, there are Republicans who believe that they are situated to to gain uh, even more. Uh, more uh, traction uh, uh, in in the House uh, and in the Senate. And there are folks who think the opposite, obviously, for the uh, the Democratic Democratic side. So where do you want to start at? Who who, who are you looking at? Anybody in particular? No, nobody in particular, not yet. Well, I will say this. Right now, the Democrats need... They've got 49 seats in the Senate. Uh, there are two independents, and they're looking to pick up. They need two seats. Uh, if they can pick up two seats with the uh, uh, with those two independents remaining, then they will have a majority in the Senate, which would be, which would be, you know, traditionally almost something that we would rather see. I mean, if you got one party uh, in power in the Senate and one in the House. Um, then there's there's some balance theoretically. Now, how that's actually going to play out, I'm not really convinced. I'm not convinced that people are as disgruntled as as the Democratic Party would like to to have us believe. Uh, and a big part of that is a lot of people did not foresee 
they did not actually believe that Trump would be president. So there are, it's one thing for people to, 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 to say things uh, in public, but what they do in the booth is something, that's a, that's a completely different conversation. Um, uh, article, actually, a good like, kind of multimedia piece in the New York Times. Mm, yeah, from your, your February magazine. 7th, yeah. <laughs> February 7th, 2018. Yeah. Uh, it's titled, Democrats need to win 28 seats to control the Senate. Mm-hmm. Republicans need only eight. Now, when they say 28, I don't think it means 28 new seats. Oh, I, the yeah, existing included, yeah. yeah. So they need to be 28. Republicans only need eight. And the way this article is written, and um, it's very good with, like, charts and everything, um, it seems really like Democrats are going to be fighting an uphill battle. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so as well. And when you when you look at the narrative that each party uh, is crafting, the Republicans are going to hang their hats on, we got rid of the individual mandate, which we said we were going to do. Um, we uh, we revitalized or you know we we took on the tax code. Yeah. Uh, we, we got everybody uh, a tax break. Not not looking at the actual uh, the fact that the tax break for the corporations is one that is a permanent one, and the tax break that's for uh, for the rest of America is one that expires in what in ten years. Yeah. Uh, so, but th- that's really beside the point. The point is they have some things legislatively that they're going to point to and say, we got these things done. And we still don't know what's going to happen between now and the election in terms of, uh, of DACA. Mm-hmm. So what do the Democrats have that they can point to other than a misplaced or, not, or, or poorly articulated moral outrage? Yeah. Um, that's a good point. I don't think they really have much. Well, that's the power of the uh, incumbent and the majority, mm-hmm. too, obviously. Whatever they do, they can spin it and be like, well, you know, we did this, or whatever's going right in the country, such as economic uh, stability or whatever. They can try to spin it and say, look, this is because of us. You know, we've been in power for the past year or whatever, right. even though it might not be true. Um, but the Democrats seem to be adopting the same strategy as they did uh, as the same strategy that lost them the presidential election which is basically those other people over there whether it be President Trump himself the Senate Democrats I mean Senate Republicans House Republicans they're really bad and they're doing everything wrong so just don't vote for them vote for us you know (laughs) it's kind of yeah it's not a very proactive reason to vote you know it's kind of like don't vote for us because we're not the Republicans kind yeah. of thing, you know. Vote for us because we're not them. Yeah, yeah. That that's certainly not that's certainly not going to work. Um, I find it problematic that they're not they're not pushing uh, as a part of their narrative America, the United States' future uh, economic position. Um, uh, there's been a lot of talk about. The former deficit hawks, so they, they have all, which was the Republican Party, the conservative uh, um, portion w- within it in particular, how they have flown the coop. Uh, now they're willing to push legislation that is adding to the deficit. Uh, and this also within an environment where it is costing the United States as a government to, um, to borrow money, uh, it's costing it more to borrow money uh, over 10 year uh, periods. Uh, that and, and the assertion is that that's going to lead to higher rates of uh, that's going to raise interest rates, uh, which could have an effect on uh, an effect, excuse me, on um, uh, inflation. Um, it could it, it could affect the job market. You know, they're looking at rising wages. Uh, a lot of different factors that that I'm listening to. Right, not an economic uh, economist at all, but they're bringing up things that I don't hear being talked about by the Democratic Party, and I. I I just scratch my head wondering why is that? You know, what are these guys doing? Yeah. Um the the Republican Party in our time mm-hmm. uh for the past couple of years especially has been very good at like I said spinning things and framing things as a victory uh in, in you know in light of their policies and for their support base. Mm-hmm. They're very good at whatever happens. You see like we did this for you. It's a victory even if it's not 
really a victory, mm-hmm. right? Or if it's not really uh, done by them, and they're not responsible for it, they're very good at making their support base believe and affirm that, yes, the House, uh, the Senate, the President, they did this for us, you know? Yeah. Democrats don't really have that right now. Yeah, it's, it's got it has to come, it's got to become more than just um, just a moral argument. Uh, it, it does, because if it stays there, then I think it's going to be a lot. It's going to be some surprises uh, when when it comes when it comes um, uh, election day. Yeah, and that's one of the things, like you said, um, about morality. One of the things to Trump's credit, although it's not a good credit, is that he's taken morality mm-hmm. and made it almost like obsolete. Like it's not even a factor anymore. Um, that's a big change, you know. That's that really changes the game, regardless of whether it's good or bad. It's bad, but um, yeah, well, it's a game changer. And what's what's kind of crazy about this is where it it was at one point the faith based um, leadership, uh, the the evangel excuse me the evangelicals in particular that could be appealed to to say this guy has no moral center, mm-hmm. so how so pull your support away from them, yeah. who have changed their tune and their response to him <laughs> to, to his presidency or his personality. His character is that well, none of us are perfect. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so they have to change. They got to change the narrative, uh, and I think this also has implications on. Uh, I mean, we're talking about the national level, but on the the on a state level. Just looking in Illinois. Mm-hmm. Now, Bruce Rauner, the incumbent as governor, uh, who was a well, he's backed away. He's backed away from any real association with Trump. But look looking very much in the Trump uh Trump mold. Uh very much well, like he, uh, he did refuse to go to the uh convention. Well that that so, was smart. Yeah. I mean, you know, that that was smart. Uh because there's a changing he, you know, he kinda got in on a he got in on a fluke. Uh corruption will always have that type of uh type of effect. It, it gives the other party a bit more credibility just because they're not the ones that were under indictment or who had the governor go to jail. Um, But now that he is facing re-election, he's facing a challenger who is, for all intents and purposes, it's almost to say, well, I I don't want to put him in just the category to say that he's just, he's not rounder, right? But we have J.B. Pritzker. Yeah. Who is who? Who is running? Who is also uh, a billionaire? Um, so, do you think he's? Are you predicting him as the nominee from the Democratic side? Uh, I think that's what I think. A lot of people want to see that. Oh, really? I, I th- yeah, I think I shouldn't say a lot. I think some people want to see that. He's um, certainly the dominant you know, personality coming out on that side, obviously. Um, yeah, and and a big part of that is. And this leads us into another, well, at least an awareness that if we're not talking about campaign finance reform, um, then we're not we're not also realizing why we see certain candidates more than we see others, because everybody doesn't have the same financial wherewithal. Um, and he's had it. He he started months ahead of everybody else. He, he had ads going up before everybody else. Uh, now, Raiders Fund family, you may have heard because we were at the uh, Illinois Gubernatorial Candidates Forum that the CIOGC sponsored that was at the Mecca Center. And he was, I guess he was the only one, if I'm not mistaken, who was not there. Now, I, I think these things bear watching because no one's vote is just a, is, is a given. Um, but Chris Kennedy, T.O. Hardiman, Daniel, uh, Senator Daniel Biss, uh, these three took the time to come out. So I'm not, and I only say that to say this. There are some people who want to see him in office or who would take him simply over Rounder because they feel like that's that's better. But maybe the same thing would be said for, for anybody at this point. Well, Bruce Rauner, uh his campaign is very brilliant their ads are very brilliant they had a brilliant strategy that's how he got elected actually is um he 
pointed to I don't remember if it was audio I don't think it was audio but it was uh, written statements like transcripts of Mayor Harold Washington saying that you know I would never hire Pat Quinn for anything something like that (laughs) Um, and obviously Mayor Mayor, uh, Harold Washington is a big you know he's a force in Chicago um, which is a big part of our state right a lot of the votes come from this area yep so uh, he's really seen as a kind of a heroic figure in, in Chicago, and rightfully so. He's the first black mayor, right? Yeah. Um, so for him to say, I don't want this person anywhere, you know, I wouldn't hire him to do anything, mm-hmm. that's a big, it's hard to recover from, right? Yeah. Now, once again, uh, if you watch YouTube, you'll get ads from Bruce Rauner's campaign. I get these ads all the time. Have you seen that one? Yeah. Oh, uh, well, which one? <laughs> Against J.B. Pritzker. Yeah, he's got a couple. With uh, him talking to Blagojevich over the phone, trying to negotiate, you know, like which position he's going to get and things like that. Mm -hmm. That's a really difficult thing to recover from. I'd be, I'm I'm, I'm eager to see what he's, uh, he's certainly going to be asked about that. You know, I'm eager to see what his response would be. Yeah, and and there are different ways to to go about it. A lot of times in, in, in these instances, uh, people simply, they don't they don't give it any response, and they figure it'll die on its own. Now, if his constituency, his potential constituency, aren't asking questions about those things, if those things don't matter to the people that are willing to cast a vote, if they're not if they're not looking to get some context on those things, or even or or to say, if uh, if J B Pritzker doesn't feel that an explanation is warranted. I think that's problematic in and of itself. Mm-hmm. I'm, and it's difficult to, to get context in a in a 30-second, you know, recording. Right. Uh, I mean, we know what it looks like, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, we could kind of, we can kind of get a picture <laughs> of what's happening. But for, but for somebody who's seeking the highest office in our state uh, to feel that, um, you're going to hold everybody else accountable but not be accountable yourself. And that goes both ways because Rauner, uh, and, and I think it's a brilliant move on uh, JB's part, he's got a commercial where he says, uh, basically he's, he's making light uh, of Rauner saying, I'm not in charge in terms of the budget not being passed and, uh, or the impasse, right? Yeah. And he's saying, well, when people of color call on me, uh, when the LGBTQ, when right. – uh, this and this, all these different things. He says, I'm going to be in charge. Mm-hmm. So there's some accountability. But it doesn't start when you get in office. It's his accountability right now. Yeah. You know. Um, and Rauner, I mean, man, stop showing up. Stop showing up in commercials and at events with flannels on. <laughs> you know, you, you, you're not an electrician or uh, a contractor. <laughs> I just don't get the feeling, as a a citizen of Illinois, I haven't gotten the feeling of Rauner as really a proactive kind of governor. It seems like he's kind of been in the back, like he got elected on whatever platforms, okay, and then he just kind of has been in the background. And I think his excuse for that or his rationale for that will be like, well, the Democratic uh, Congress of Illinois didn't let me do anything. Um, But it's just not I don't know. Is it good enough? I don't know. We'll see. Well, I, I certainly don't think so. And, and and I think it's time for people to start following the money because he's been he's been pushing ads against uh, Mike Madigan, whom I'm not giving an opinion on either way. Just mention him as a part of the, 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 the story. But he's been pushing negative ads uh, against him for over a year now well over a year, uh, through a, I guess, was it, a super PAC that he, he formed himself, that he gives money to. But the reason he's in the back, in my opinion, is because the issues, these issues don't, they don't, they don't concern him. They don't affect him. Uh, when the state, state uh, universities were, were going through crisis, Chicago State being one of them, uh, probably the most vulnerable of the state university uh, system, uh, when they're going through crisis, when they're trying to figure out how they're going to keep their doors open, keep programs running, uh, and he is kind of sitting in the back and and doing nothing, 
not reaching out to people, not making a public appeal, uh, just kind of just, okay, I'm just going to wait and just wage a war of attrition mm-hmm. and, and watch people squirm, uh, health care providers, uh, social service providers. He's been an absolute failure. And then the his union busting, like I said, that's when I equate him to Scott Walker, uh, collective bargain. He's He has done absolutely, I think, what he wanted to do which was to try to play the game of waiting people out. But unfortunately, he is being connected, whether he wants to wants to be or not, he's being connected to, um, to Trump. And his waiting game just looks like, you know, it just looks like absence. Hmm. So we'll, we'll see what happens with that. Yeah. So uh, Radio Slime family, I would encourage you, um, I would encourage you, uh, whatever your political affiliation is, uh, to write, especially f- to, to write these individuals that are that are running, and ask them to give you uh, give you questions to these uh, to, to the issues that are that are put out there, uh, whether it be uh, Rounders' plans for the budget, whether it be allegations uh, that have been made against uh, Pritzker, whether it be th- those that have been brought up against uh, Daniel. Uh, not allegations, but his voting record. That's also the wonderful thing about uh, about being able to go and look at a voting record because you can just ask because some stuff just came up uh, and somebody's at. I don't know who pushed it, but Daniel Biss, he voted uh, to, what was it, to take away, whatever it was. It was when I, I, I just know when I saw it, I was like, oh, man, he's going to have to explain that. Hmm. Uh, so, yeah, but look look at people's voting records. Uh, ask questions. Uh, we are not at a point where we can continue to just vote for somebody because they're not the other guy. Uh, that's that's just not going to cut it. Uh, we're, we're not going to get anywhere as a as a society. You guys up? Unrelated. Not okay. Related. Go ahead. Two uh, two more. I'm sorry about this. Two more New York Times articles uh, from today. Ibrahim and his New York Times. Uh, one is from today. One is from yesterday. Okay. One from today is about uh, how the one of the heads of intelligence, as um, part of the President Trump's cabinet, part of the administration, his name is Dan Coats. Um, one of the heads of intelligence. He's saying that he sees um, that Russia is going to he's basically saying that he's Russia is going to try and meddle in the 2018 elections mm-hmm. just like they did 2 years ago yeah. and he said they're going to do that through um trolling and bots and divisive kind of sentiment to try to polarize people um he's basically saying yeah that's going to happen despite president trump's previous denials to anything like that happening um yeah seems russia is at it again mm. um <laughs> that should be another show i think uh, yeah. another article an op-ed article by david brooks famous political analyst yep. he's talking about the end of the two-party system this is from yesterday he's talking about how he w- in the 90s he worked um all over europe and he witnessed the fall of the soviet union and the end of the, many many things um and then he talks about what started to happen during the breakup of Yugoslavia. And he looks back in retrospect and said that was actually probably the most important event because that kind of set the trend for the way politics was going to go for up until now. Okay. And he talks about the end of the, the kind of shrinking of liberal democracy and uh, many, many things. And he says basically, at the end of the article, he says that the Democratic Party is going to split and the Republican Party is going to split because people who are dissatisfied with the party. Um, that's kind of a uh, an intense prediction, but I think the, the principles that he's using and the arguments that he's making, even if it's a little bit blown out of proportion, mm-hmm. um, he's really getting at something, uh, some important trends, and I, I think he's on to something. You know, I, I am not beholden to the idea of a two-party system, personally. And yeah, we we definitely have to talk about that. Just in just doing a, a comparison 
Yeah. Um, he mentions actually. Now, if you've ever studied political science, you know that there's certain mechanisms built into the system which keep it a two-party system. Yeah. Um, like the Electoral College, for example. Mm-hmm. He Passingly, he mentions that, but he says even despite that, I think this is going to happen. Um, so it's, it's, you know, he's done his homework, but like I said, maybe a little bit overblown, but um, the trends that he's pointing to and the things that he's getting at, he has some good points. Yeah, I mean, especially if you look at the fact that um, a lot of people credit Trump's election to a certain section, uh, particular rural white America, uh, feeling like they had been forgotten, uh, and he was speaking directly to them. You take that logic and extend it, uh, that representation, it's going to be difficult to fit everybody under the tent. Uh, so it may come to a point. Uh, yeah, I, I would definitely, I would definitely like to to explore that uh, conversation. So, inshallah, uh, with God's permission, we'll get a chance to, to 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 open that up and look at that. All right. So, Ibrahim has proven the efficacy of looking up stories on the New York Times. <laughs> it's a great resource. <laughs> All right, Radio Islam family, uh, our time is just about up. We invite you to join us tomorrow night for a candid conversation with Dr. Delara Saeed. Uh, she's a candidate for Illinois State Rep. 5th District. And we're going to be having a candid conversation, as I said, about race, religion, class, and politics. And these are things that are they undergird uh, quite a bit of conversation uh, and the decisions and policies that take place uh, in our country. Uh, past, present, uh, and and well into our, into our future. So we're going to be having a good conversation with her tomorrow night, so we invite you to join us at 6 p.m. Uh, tonight, our engineer, we want to thank, over at WCEV, Ramon, thank you very much, sir. Our engineer in studio, the impressive one, Ibrahim Bey. Uh, tonight's show was produced by, well, I guess we produced this show. Yeah, it was us, Tariq and Ibrahim. And I am your... I already said I'm your, I'm your host. Uh, our executive producer is Abdul Malik Mujahid. Uh, the views expressed tonight are those of uh, the host and co-host, uh, and not to be taken as representative of Sound Vision. We look forward to talking to you tomorrow night. I'm going to leave you as I greeted you. Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Thank you.